have, I have about 50 albums now because I, I release about two or three albums a year on average, sometimes more. I, I, I never stop recording. <laughs> this week on The Point, musician Zhang San on Beijing's music scene, a new compilation of independent music, and how he approaches music making. Then I talked to director Tony Sun about his new documentary, Light Chaser. But first, Zhang San. I'm talking to the musician Zhang Sun on the line somewhere in Kunming. I wanted to have you on because I wanted to talk to you about a couple of things. First of all, let's talk about Beijing Underground. What, what is Beijing Underground? What is Beijing Underground? It's, it's, uh, it's an idea I started a few years ago because um, I felt like the, uh, the music scene in Beijing or in China was not represented very well. That every time um, uh, a foreign media would come to Beijing to check the underground, they would, they would go to one place or two places, but would never really check all the bands or all the venues. They would, they would always have an angle, like, like uh, saying some stuff like, uh, oh, punk is new in China, or like rock, rock, is new, rock music is new in China, or electronic music is new in China. But, you know, like rock music and, and modern music, contemporary music have existed in China since basically the 80s when it comes to rock music. Or even electronic music and stuff like that. So it's like it's not it's not that new, and there's a lot of uh, bands and, and a lot of people who do music in in in, uh, in China that are not represented and nobody talks about. Uh, a big part of it actually also the, the foreigners, the foreign musicians that live in China are never really talked about. So my idea was to uh, to make a website to have everybody uh, being represented. The the bands made only of Chinese uh, musicians. The the bands with the uh, Chinese and foreigners, uh, the bands with uh, only Chinese people, and, and because everybody actually works together in the scene, uh, everybody exchanges ideas, and that's the way. Uh, that's that's what also makes the Beijing underground music scene very interesting because there are so many exchanges of, of culture and ideas uh, all the time, and that's that's why that's what I wanted to represent with uh, with with the website at first. Then I created the, this uh, this group on Facebook. And the, the the group became bigger and bigger, and, and now we have uh, twenty six thousand members. And uh, when uh, when the group reached about five thousand people, I did the first uh, Beijing Underground showcase in uh, in Beijing at uh, I think it was DDC the first time. Then uh, then year by year I made it bigger, but uh, but in the last two years I didn't do it because of the virus. So hopefully I can I can do that again in the future. But yeah, the idea was uh, was uh, you know to represent really what I see. As a musician who's been in China for a very long time, and not as a journalist that just comes here from time to time to just talk about it for sensationalism about what's going on in China or whatever, you know, just like stating the fact of what I see. Recently, you've been releasing compilations as well, and uh, compilation three, yes. compilation three is on Bandcamp uh, now, and people can buy the entire compilation for I think it was seven dollars. You released the album in December, uh, or the compilation in December, and I listened to it yesterday. It's 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 fantastic, and it, and it, the cool thing is it, it introduced me to acts I'd never heard before. So, how do you choose what tracks are going to be on the album? Uh, what what I do is that I. Um... 
I mean, I did, I did three compilations already, and, and uh, I'm, I'm actually working on the fourth one right now. And it happens often because I, I also play uh, quite often in, in different cities in China. Uh, lately, I played in uh, Tali, and before that, I played in Wuhan. So every time I go somewhere, I meet new people, I meet new bands and new musicians. So what I try to do is uh, every time I, I, I play somewhere and I meet new people, I ask them if they have a band, if, and, I want, and I tell them if they have something uh, recorded to send me a song, uh, MP3 or anything. It, it can be any kind of music, it can be experimental, uh, rock music, jazz, whatever, it doesn't matter. Because I just want to know what people are doing in the country music-wise. So they just send me tracks and, and uh, I, I select the track that I like um in, in the tracks that they've sent me and uh when i reach about 10 tracks i just uh i just put the compilation out that's the way i choose it <laughs> it's not it's not really it's not really like uh based on on my my own tastes i don't think it really matters i think for me it's like the compilation is like a picture in time of what's going on in the country music wise that's the way i see it and so so i i i see it also like a as a an informative way of like giving people an insight of what's going on. That's what I like. That's 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 why I like to do it. Was there anything that surprised you about this most recent compilation? Well, there's always funny stuff. Like you know, like uh, this this Russian band contacted me, and and this Russian band from Kunming contacted me, and they had the track, and I was like, okay, let's just put it on, you know. So it's like you, you meet like all all these people that you didn't know also through that, and uh, yeah, I mean that track really surprised me because I, I didn't even know there were so many Russians in Kunming, but there are actually. So you know, it's it's like you 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 get a you get to know a lot of different people, and and it's it's interesting how the mix of cultures happens here at the same time as well. And that's, that's what I like to represent with that stuff too. One of the things that, that jumped out at me when I was listening to the, to the compilation was this vast variety of music that's being produced in, in, in China. You know, in the album you have you have these shoegazy tracks like like with Nocturne. There's punk, there's rock, there's jazz, there's folk. Uh, like with Eric Allen, there's this pop. You have tracks that are in English, Mandarin, Russian, as you said, there's instrumental. When I was listening to it, it made me wonder, when you first arrived in China back in 2002, what would a Beijing underground compilation have sounded like? Well, I, I first arrived in, in 2000, in, in... Not 2002, but, it, but, it, but actually the, the first time I came to Beijing, there was a, I mean, everybody knows Modern Sky now because Modern Sky is one of the biggest labels for uh, independent music in China. And uh, the guy who studied Modern Sky, he, he had a, at the time, Modern Sky wasn't, wasn't very big and it was a magazine actually. I'm not sure it was already a label or not, but it was, if it was a label, it was just starting. And so there was a magazine called uh, Modern Sky Magazine and every, every month they would have a CD in it with lots of bands from the underground. In China. Uh, they don't do it anymore. 
but uh, that's the kind of stuff that I like when I came here. That there were people that were actually like helping me to get to listen to stuff that was happening. I, it's not this thing that really influenced me, but there were people doing that before, and uh, it kind of stopped at some point. But I think it's still important to do it, so that's why I'm doing it too. At the time, music was different, I have to say, and uh, there were not so many festivals. I mean, there were almost no festivals in China, actually. The only festival was basically the MIDI, MIDI school festival that was still in the school in 2000. Um, bigger festivals started later. It's funny how everything has changed so much in so many years. And, and the music has changed too. I mean, it's not the same music that, that people were doing here in 2000 and the music that they are doing now, I think. Well, so how, how has it changed? Mm, it's changed in a way that I think when I just came in 2000, it was more influenced by uh, Chinese culture in many ways. And it was more of a mix between West and East because people didn't have so many informations from, from the outside world. Uh, when I first came to Beijing, it was still, uh, it was not as big as now. The city wouldn't go beyond the fourth ring road, basically. Uh, the fourth ring road wasn't finished. Uh, so uh, you can imagine like the city, the, I mean, you know what it is now, there's, there's the seven, seven ring roads now. I mean, it's crazy, like the size of the, city, of the city now compared to what it was at the time. Yeah, I mean, people didn't have so much information about the West and the internet was uh, just starting and people were not traveling that much and, and people were still very poor in China. Yeah, it was, the, it was a completely different country. Now I, th I would say it's more uh, globalized. So uh, in, in many ways, it's, it's like it's become in, in the West, it's like everything has become a bit the same, you know? It's harder to find things that are really original. And that's why I think through this work that I'm doing with the compilations, my idea is also to, to show, to, to find some diversity and to find something different in, in, uh, in what I can hear here. How many of the artists on, on this compilation are Chinese? It depends uh, on this one. On the last one, there are not too many. Uh, but there, there is, uh, in, in those bands that are uh, in the competition, there are uh, Chinese musicians too. So it's kind of a mix, really. I want to ask you about your music, if, if that's okay. I, I, have, I have about 50 albums now. I've, I've started to record in 2003. Uh, no, actually, I started to record in 2000, but I started to release stuff in 2003. So the first album is uh, from 2003, and then it goes up to, to now. So it's, it's more, it's maybe like 55 albums now or something. Because I, I release about two or three albums a year on average, sometimes more, uh, depending on yeah, if I have time or not. So. I, I never stopped recording. <laughs> I 
there are a couple of albums that I'd love to ask you about. Mass Music felt like you were processing this, you know, acrimonious breakup. You know, listening to the album, sometimes the songs are sad. Sometimes your lyrics felt angry to me. Sometimes you feel defiant. I, I think like a, a lot of a lot of the albums I do is 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 always like a, a process. So what happens is that I have a I have a picture in my head about what I want the album to be from beginning to end. At the beginning, when I start doing the the music, and then as I'm recording it, some of the stuff changes, and is is impacted by the moment and what goes what happens in my life at the moment when I'm doing it. So I never know really what's what's gonna come out of it. And and but but what's really strange about it is I I know when it's finished, I know when I'm done with it, and and then I when I can release it. It's something that happens very naturally. I don't think about it. It's just like okay, it's finished. Okay, now I can release it. So for this album, like, I don't know, it's like, uh, yeah, there's a, there was a lot of questioning at the time about, you know, uh, I don't know, lots of things, uh, my life in general. I mean, I, I can't really put my finger on it now because it's, it's, it's like it's two years, it was like two years ago almost now. Uh, but it's, it's, a lot of it is just like a, a, a moment thing. It's also like the time when I was really starting to to enjoy recording drums and record everything myself, because on that album I recorded everything. I, I record the drums and the bass and all the instruments and I sing as well. And it's, it was it was like an album I really liked to to do in the idea of uh, exploring what I can do alone. Yeah, it was it was good for that reason too. And with uh, with no influence from any, from anybody, it was completely music. Yeah. love upside down music you know and i felt that that was such a different texture uh that album just had a completely different texture it was uh, a lot happier yeah yeah it was uh and i think it was released the same year right? i think so too and i was just wondering if that was a reaction to mask music my idea with, with the music i'm doing from from uh, from the beginning was to to put instruments that are not that are not a guitar or a piano at the center of the music Because a lot of um, in a lot of world music, what happens is that you still have the regular instruments that you have in Western uh, modern music, like bass and, and guitar and drums and everything. But the like uh, what they call like the ethnic instruments or whatever, which is not a, a word I, I really like to use. But what, what they what they do is like they, they put these instruments on the outside, and so they they, they are used as ornaments for the music basically, but they're not in the center. And my idea was to put the, 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 these Chinese instruments at the center of the music and put the other instruments around. So that's why it's upside down, because the, the, my idea was to reverse, to reverse the idea of music and also to come, to come from uh, an outside point of view, just like from, from, from the east to the west and not from the west to the east. That was the concept. And that's why it's called uh, upside down music. And that explains, I think, the the last track on that album, Bobby the English Teacher. I once knew a man, his name was Bobby. 
It does, it does, yeah, because because it's like this track has nothing to do with the rest of the album, but yeah, it, it's kind of like it, it's 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 a funny song. It's about yeah, like this English teacher who, because a lot of people, you know, Western people in in, in Asia are English teachers because it, it's easy to be to be an English teacher here, and and it's easy to make money with it. So why not do it? But yeah, a lot of people who do that as well don't necessarily want to understand the local culture or get involved into what's happening in the country and stuff. And so this is like this ridiculous story about this guy and. It's a bit, it's a bit Frank Zappa kind of thing, actually. For me, the line, you know, one of the lines that explains the song, I think, was, "Oh, Bobby, you should have been more careful, Bobby. This is not your country." <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> because, yeah, a lot of people forget that they're not home sometimes when they are not, uh, you know, when they are in Asia, and that's that's one of the consequences of living in Asia, which is like you, sometimes you feel too comfortable and you forget that this is not your country. <laughs> so, yeah, it can be, it can be, it can be dangerous. You said earlier that one of the things that you know naturally is when when an album is finished, when a track is finished. When you're recording an improvised or an impromptu album, like the one you recorded with David Bond, do you feel the same way when you're doing it? Is it, is it a different process? It, it happened very strangely. It's uh, David Bond. It's um, he's, he's a very very cool uh, keyboard player from who lives in Beijing, uh, also uh, Anglo Anglo American, and uh, he was he was recording um, an album with uh, with his band called Zoukra, which is a Chinese band. Um, in uh, they were recording in Nityang in Yunnan, and uh, at the time I was uh, on holiday, a bit like I am now in some ways. They, they were just there, so I said like, okay, I'll, I'll just pass by and see the studio. And the studio is great. The studio is in Lityang, and it's just like, you just walk there, and you have like uh, some kind of a little cafe in there, and then you just go, you, you go in the studio, and the studio has everything: super good drum, uh, drums, super good uh, guitar amps, whatever. Everything is perfect. So they were like struggling with with the song, and I said. I mean, and they told me, if, you know, if I wanted to play guitar on it, so I went into the recording booth and I, and I recorded something for, for the guitar of the track and, and they were super happy with it. And then um, they said, uh, if you want, you can use the, the studio for the whole afternoon because we have nothing to do this afternoon. We just leave the studio to you and you just record whatever you want. And uh, I was like, yeah, if I can do it, okay. So they, they gave me the recording studio for the whole afternoon for free and uh, me and david we just uh, we just recorded just uh, just like that and uh, yeah i mean I, I first i went behind the drums and I, re I recorded maybe drums for like 40 minutes 45 minutes and then from from all, all the drum beats that i had done we just built the whole album in one afternoon and then yeah, in, in like four or five hours it was done that sounds very fast. <laughs> yeah, no, it's super fast because uh, it's it, when when the when you have super good equipment and and you have just a spark of an idea at, at the right moment, then it can go very fast. You know, then then I mixed everything at home later, and uh, and with the help of David, uh, it was great. I mean, what came out of it, I'm I'm, I'm really happy about actually. Also because it's a thing of a moment, and, and I know it will it will it would not be able it, it wouldn't have been possible to reproduce it elsewhere. It's really like that because it was recorded there, and I also integrated the like sounds at the beginning of the songs, 
of the tracks that I recorded uh, on the spot there when I was working on the streets. And I, li I like it for that. It's like one moment in my life, you know. You know, I think what you said, it wouldn't be possible elsewhere. You know, sometimes I think places that are imbued with meaning. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, mu music, you know, music, art, or everything that has to do with art, a lot of it has to do with the moment and the feeling you have at one moment. And, you know, it's like when you're on stage, like uh, in one place you're going to play in one way and you go to another city to play the same show, but you don't play it in the same way and, and you change the songs because the audience is different and, and the, the way that people react to what you're doing makes you react in a different way and, and uh, make you change your music to also fit the place or the city where you are because you want also to give the best to the people that you are playing to. And the same happens when you record in a place, the atmosphere of the place you record in ch changes the music that you do. And I think it's the same for every, every, every artist, you know, every musician. Uh, you look at the story of, uh, I don't know, like, uh, okay, computer, you know, like they recorded in this old castle, Radiohead, right? They, they recorded in this old, this old place, and, and it changed the, the, the way that they, they recorded the album. So it, it is, it, it, that's why, like, you know, musicians are constantly looking for different studios and different places to record it because they want a different feeling every time for every, every new album. You sing in French, you sing in English, and, and you sing in Chinese. I asked this question to Ember Swift when I spoke with her a couple of months ago. When you sing in Chinese, how do you, like, how do you sing in a tonal language? Yeah, I, I, uh, actually, I listened to this interview and uh, I thought it was very interesting because she, she, said, she said something about like, the way you, uh, you sing, you sing you're going to be careful with the tones and everything. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, for, for, for me, it's true to some extent, but at the same time, I think I don't, I don't really want to care too much about it because I think people still understand what, I'm, what I mean, even if I don't follow every rule that they say you're supposed to follow. And I think that's also like following too many rules for me, I think is, is not necessarily the, the best thing to do it. I think sometimes you have to break the rules and just say, well, you know, you've been doing that for a very long time, but now that's the way I do it. So you understand what I'm saying anyway. So, you know, it's not a problem. Jungsen, I think, I think that's a really good place to end it. Thank you so much for talking to me. Well, man, it's, uh, it's a pleasure. It was very interesting, actually. Because I don't, I don't get super interesting questions like that all the time, actually, to be honest. So it's cool to have, a, to have an interview that actually talks about music and, and not about the fact that I'm just a foreigner who plays music in China. That was Zhang San on the line from Kunming, Yunnan province. You can listen to the albums that we spoke about on his Bandcamp page. I'll put a link to that and to the Beijing Underground Facebook page in the episode notes. After a very short break, director Tony Sun and his new film, Light Chaser. The first character we see in director Tony Sun's new documentary, Light Chaser, is a young Chinese scientist, Liu Yang, writing in his diary as he travels from Antarctica to the Arctic Circle to the Norwegian island of Svalbard. 
Yang's destination is China's Yellow River Station, in the settlement of New Alsund. He'll spend the next season here, through the never-ending darkness of the polar light. His job is to maintain the sensitive equipment that helps scientists observe the aurora borealis. New Alsund is a community of scientists, cut off from the rest of the world by geography. And, as one of the scientists in Svalbard explains, to a certain extent by technology. You're not allowed to use uh, cell phones because of uh, some very sensitive radio telescopes. You're not constantly uh, checking your phone for messages, and I think this is uh, that really influences the human interactions here. Tony Sun, one of four directors credited on the project, told me that New Olsund and the nearest settlement, Longbjernen, attract a special kind of person. I mean, it's really different from the other other part of the whole planet, I think. They all kind of, they want to be isolated from the modern city, maybe all the, all the crowds. So they're looking for their quietness and some, you know, their own place. They don't like that much about to con- con- connect with the people. In Longbjernen, we meet characters like Olaf. Now in late middle age with a crusty beard, Olaf came to Longbjernen 30 years ago and never left. Here it was too cold, too dry, no trees. In a way it was scary, but it was also something I've been looking for without looking for it. The real star of the film is Svalbard itself. In one spectacular time-lapse, the Borealis rises above Liu Yang, the scientist, and we get the true scale of the region's desolation, its cold, and its beauty. The production made a special effort to get these outdoor shots, and it shows. I still remember one thing, like uh, at one night, the storm is coming. The wind is really strong. It's like uh, you can hear the noise inside the room. And the producer is like, okay, let's go out to shoot that. We were like, oh, really? And uh, what he's called is like, okay, yeah, of course, we, we, we hear it's not, it's not going to hide in the, in the shelter. We come here to, to capture all the crazy things, all the storm, all the snow, all the cold, all the wind. So we just grabbed the camera and went out. At the beginning of the film, Liu Yang is painfully quiet and hard to decipher. He spends his time alone in the station. When he's not working, he's watching soccer alone on his TV. But by the end of the film, he's slowly integrating with his new community. Light Chaser's central question is, how do people live in omnipresent darkness in one of the most remote places on the planet and thrive there? Because in, in, our, in our life, we, we all have the chance to go through the bad situation, maybe the darkness situation, maybe the, the down, the down life. So it's, it feels like the, the polar night, how people go through the whole dark season. So we have the, you know, the same thing like that. So we want to maybe just tell people, maybe just say, okay, all the light is inside. You have to, even though the outside is dark, but still here is bright, it's light. So you still can find inside the light and uh, chase it and, and until the sun comes out. That was Tony Sun. 
I'll put a link in the show notes to Light Chaser's website. It's in Chinese, but it'll have info on screenings. Thank you to Jung Sun. Thank you to Tony Sun. Next week on The Point, I have a conversation with filmmaker Xiao Pei He. We talk about a lot of things, but she also gets me to open up about my own film project. Talk to you then.